0: to the book of First Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to close this series out. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you here. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. If you don't have a Bible, the scripture is going to come up on the screens. Paul talking to the church in Corinth, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now... You were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. Tell your neighbor, ouch. I mean, like, he came hard with it. Now, jump with me to verse seven through nine. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. You are God's building. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that God has put in my heart back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for all that you have been doing already here in this worship service pray, God, that as we dive into your word, that you would open up our hearts, open up up our minds to receive all that you have for us today. Father, as I'm speaking, I pray that your word and your spirit would do a work that is far beyond anything that my words could ever do. We pray for a deep work to be done in the lives of every person that is gathered here today. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated back to the beginning. Have you ever seen something evolve to the point that it was nothing like what it was at the very beginning Uh, have you lived long enough to see some things kind of take on a life of their own and before long you're like i I don't remember it ever being like this i'll give i'll hit you with something real strong just to get us started how many remember when a ratchet was a tool not a person too strong (laughs) too strong a L- little too much for Sunday morning. I heard that word. I was like, ain't that a tool? No, it's a person. Oh, what kind of person? I'm sorry I asked. You know, it's like, it's like I don't remember that word meaning that. How many of you remember when the word sick meant somebody was ill? And then in the 90s, the 90s just like went the 90s on that word. And all of a sudden, sick meant nothing like someone being ill. Sick was a good thing. Sick was like something that was cool. Sick was something that took on a life of its own. And, and, and it's funny to me when you see things evolve, right? Sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's a bad thing, right? Sometimes things evolve and you're like, that's nothing like it's what it was supposed to be. How did we get here when the original intent of that thing was supposed to be something way different? And and I think in the scriptures and, and why it's so important to understand the Bible and to understand how to correctly interpret scriptures and apply it to your lives is this Bible was written thousands of years ago in an ancient Middle Eastern context. I mean, our country and our nation was like... Light years away from you know the, the culture and the context and the times in which the Bible was written, and so it's so important for us when we go back to the Bible that we go back to the beginning. We 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 have to interpret the text as it was meant to be interpreted, both by the original authors and the original readers. You get in a lot of trouble when you approach the scriptures through our Western American mindset. Well, this is what it means. No, that's what it means today. But that's not what it meant to the person who wrote it. And that's why it's so important to always go back to the original intent. You get into some danger when you impose today's beliefs on a text that for thousands of years precedes today's culture and today's climate, and today's environment. Can I get a good amen on that? So this is why it's so important for you to properly interpret the Scriptures. And if you're growing, you got to get under a good Bible teacher so the Bible teacher can teach to you what the Bible was saying. So today I want to do some of that with this very appropriate message called... Back to the beginning. Now, last week I dabbled in this, and so this is really going to be a continuation of what I talked about last week. If you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast, and we should be getting it up on YouTube soon. But you can go back and listen to the message. I'm going to continue on with some thoughts that I talked about last week. But we've been talking about giving our lives to things that make an eternal impact. There's a lot of things that you can give your life to that have zero impact on eternity. Now, I'm not saying they're bad things. It's just that it's not anything that has eternal significance. And we believe and teach here at Lighthouse that in everything you do, make sure you're making time for the things that have eternal significance. I'm not saying there's, any, there's nothing wrong with having your kids playing club sports and all of that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having your kids super involved in school and education, but make sure They're also involved in the things that have eternal consequence. Make sure that your kids are involved in things that have eternal significance. We talk about generosity here at Lighthouse Church. There's nothing wrong with buying nice things, but make sure you are also honoring God with your finances, honoring God with your money, because you are moving the kingdom of God forward, and that's something that has eternal consequence and eternal significance. So we're not uh, here saying that those things are bad, but we are saying that if you neglect the things that have eternal significance, then you're giving yourself to things that are temporary. You're giving your things to, to, to stuff that has no eternal value, no eternal significance. And the truth is, it's nothing that you're gonna take with you onto heaven in the next life. And so you've gotta give yourself to the things that have eternal significance. And I talked about this last week, and I wanna now dive in and unpack this thought here because I think what has happened and what was never the intent in the beginning is many of us have created this big divide between the secular and what we call the sacred. And I'm talking about through your job. Many of us say, well, Pastor Josh, it's easy for you to say, give yourself to something eternal because you are a full-time vocational pastor. like That's your job. But I have my job. And when I'm at my job, I have to work for my boss who doesn't care about making an eternal <laughs> impact. So I have to like clock into that. And then now, you know, with the time that I have after work and what I have on Sundays and what I'm able to do on the weekends, now I'm giving myself to something that has eternal significance. But I I actually want to push back on that and i want to teach to you through the word of god that i don't believe that that's the original design of christ i don't believe that in the very beginning we read a divide between the secular and the sacred and i'm talking about the secular being anything outside of church i don't see a great divide between the secular and the sacred but i see one singular story woven together for the glory of god so let me unpack that genesis chapter 1 28. This is shortly after God had created man, Adam and Eve. He said this, then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Somebody say subdue have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That, that, that key word there, subdue, it's talking about we are to have dominion. God's creation is to have dominion over everything else that he has created for us, okay? All of creation he has created and says, now I've given you authority over it, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, but I also want you to subdue. I want want you to lead over everything that I have given you. Now, let me give you one more verse to complement that. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Somebody say work it and keep it. Somebody say keep it. I wanted to put these two things together. So, God says to Adam and Eve, I've, I've created you to have dominion. And then he goes on to create this beautiful garden for them that we now know as the Garden of Eden. And if you read, and I don't have the time to read all of these scriptures, but if you read in the account of how he creates the Garden of Eden, he puts a lot of raw materials in the garden and then he sticks them in the garden and he says to them, I want you to work it and I want I want you to Keep it. Now, Now let me teach on this for a second. Many of us think that when God created the Garden of Eden, which is also can be called paradise, maybe you got this mental image that Adam and Eve were sitting in the garden drinking mimosas and having a great time in paradise. Like, like it was chill for them. Like, they didn't have anything to do in the Garden of Eden other than to grape, you know, eat grapes and and, you know, feed each other. And they were just running around naked doing a whole lot of nothing in paradise. Maybe that's your thoughts of Adam and Eve. Sorry to give you that visual on a Sunday morning. (laughs) But what we read is that God said, I want you to work it. Somebody say, work. God said, Your place of paradise is also going to be your place of work. I want you to work this place, I want you to keep this place. It's your job because I have given you dominion over all of these things. I'm now putting you in this environment to begin to create something because, again, he puts a bunch of raw materials and resources in the garden, and he says to them, start to create. He says to them, start to work i believe when we go back to the beginning that the work that he called adam and eve to do was actually a form of worship and if you're taking notes write that down your work the original design was for your work to be your worship your work is to be your worship we, we've gotten into this thought that, you know, we go to work um, simply to collect our paychecks and after we put in our 30 years, then we can retire and now we can start having fun. I mean, what a miserable way to live, to think that I don't get to start having any fun until I get to 65 or whenever you put in your 30 years, that real life doesn't begin until my career ends. That's a very tough way to spend 30 years of your life thinking that fun doesn't begin until your job is over. When we look at the original design here, and when we go back to the garden, we see that God puts Adam and Eve in paradise, and he tells them, now work, now work. Now, the, the Hebrew word for work is abad, and the word abad also is used as one of the words for worship, I don't know if you knew that there are several words for worship in the Hebrew, one of them being abad, which is also the word for work. You see, I've come to propose to you that the work that God has called you to do is also your worship. And you've got to start seeing it that way. You've got to stop seeing this great divide between what you do with your hands and the creative energy that God has given you through what you do for a living And what is sacred? Well, that's the secular. That's not the sacred. What if it's all the same thing? What if, if you are a contractor, you are using raw materials from the earth to provide homes for people? And the homes that you provide for people are spaces where people can give love, receive love, and build families. What if you started looking at your work through that lens and seeing a greater purpose in the same way that God told Adam and Eve, I want you to create and I want you to cultivate civilization and I want for you to create culture. What if we started looking at our work through that lens and know that God has gifted me with the skills and the talents and the ability to worship him through what I do now vocationally. What if you looked at your job and if you were a nurse, you're using science and medicine to provide care for people who are made in the image of God? Come on. I think you can look at your, I think you can look through that lens of work a lot differently when you see it through that perspective that God has given me the gifts and the talents to provide care for people who are his image bearers, because the Bible says we've been made in the image of God. And so I'm not just taking care of someone, but I am worship. I am offering God my worship through how I work. How about if you're a biologist, you are studying and finding solutions for those who are sick and, the, and you're, you're finding solutions that could cure an illness. That could be your worship under God. If you're a teacher, you can find an application i can go on and on and on about how you can begin to see the, the the how you can begin to see what you might have considered secular as sacred when you look at it through the same lens and the same perspective that i believe god intended for adam and eve When he put them in the garden and he put them in paradise and he says, and now I want you to work and now I want you to keep it. And now it is time for you to use all the gifts and the resources and the talent that I've given you to create civilization. And and I would propose to you that what this world needs more of is for Christians to look at what we do through that lens to realize how much more we can influence this world if we looked at that through this lens. I think when we have this divide, well, that's the secular, and this is the sacred. We miss out on the opportunity to bring the sacred into the secular. And I never believed that, 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 that Jesus being the center of it all means just be the center of our Sunday worship service. He wants to be the center of it all. He wants to be the center of where you're at tomorrow when you go back to work. I know you've had a great Thanksgiving break, and some of you are dreading going back to work tomorrow. But what if you approached your work through the lens that I was made by God to do this? And, and, and listen, if you are a stay-at-home parent, I don't want you for a second to think, well, I don't work. If anything, you probably work a lot harder than some of us that have an office to go to. You are being used by God to unfold the lives of your children. You are being used by God to develop and bring out their potential. Start seeing even your work as sacred. That God would give you the gifts and the talents and the abilities and ordain you for such a time as this. What time? The time to develop the potential of your children. And we all have different callings and we all have different abilities. But when we've talked about in this series all that remains, I don't want you to think, well, okay, Pastor Josh just wants me to do more on Sunday. No, I want you to do more with what God has given you. And God has called you to have dominion and to subdue even your workplace. Now, I'm not saying walk in there thinking you're Jesus' first cousin looking down on anyone. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about using the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to influence the place that God has placed you in, the positions that he's put you in, and realize that everything I do is to give God glory. There is no great divide between that which is secular and that which is sacred. I believe that that's not the original design of work. That's why we go back to the very beginning when God says to them, I'm going to put you in the garden and now I need you to work it. Tell your neighbor you need to work it. Now, now let me go back to Paul's letter here because that's where I started off with this. I talked about this last week, and this is why this is a continuation of last week. But in Paul's letter, he begins by letting them know, I've got some heavy stuff for you. He does this by saying, I-, I wanted to feed you with milk with meat, but I had to feed you with milk because you guys were babies and you guys couldn't even understand the weight of what I was getting ready to tell you. And then he has this conversation with them. And then he says, let me dive into this conversation. He starts telling them that... He, he does this by, by th- there was this, these arguments that were happening in the book of Corinthians, and I skipped some of those verses, but there was these arguments where some of the people were saying, I follow the teachings of Paul, and others were saying, I follow the teachings of, uh, of, of um, Apollos, and there was like tribalism even within the church, and they were like budding head, or like, who's your rabbi? No, that's my rabbi. I mean, they got like real gangster in the church, right? It was like the Crips and Bloods in the church of Corinth. It was just like... You know, just like east side, west side. It was like that, you know, all based on who they thought taught better. That's silly, right? But that's what we as humans do. We get real silly with stuff. And so anyway, um, Paul's speaking into that. And then Paul says this about them. He goes, listen, listen, listen. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. Now we can read right through that and miss the fact that he's speaking to a group of Hebrews who believed in the creation story that God created Adam and Eve and put them in a garden. And look at the language that Paul is using, gardening language. He's using the language that I've planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. The the, the, The original recipients of that letter realized that he's alluding to the garden of Eden when he's talking about doing work. He's going and using imagery that would identify back to the very beginning, the very beginning of time when God creates Adam and earth and puts them in a garden and charges them with work. And now he's using work and he's using this. He's using the language of gardening. And so that's his audience. And he's giving them this exact same Um, application from the book of Genesis, and he tells them this, but then he hits them with something really heavy that I want you to get right now. He hits them with this. He says, "Um, I planted, Apollos watered, and it was God who gave the increase, and then he says later in the verse, he says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, and you are God's building. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I don't want you to miss this, but he tells them, we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. Let me unpack this for you. Here's here's a misconception some of us have in church. Some of us have this misconception that he's God and we are his employees here on earth. But that's not the language that Paul uses here. Paul uses the language that we are co-laborers with God. Meaning we are equal partners with God in the work that he is doing here on earth. Did you catch that? I mean, any other world religion doesn't teach that you get to co-labor and partner with the deity that you are worshiping other than this. They don't. They teach a subservient view of religion and, and they don't teach the relationship that we find taught throughout all of the Bible and through the gospels where he says, I didn't come to make you my employees. I came to make you my partners here on earth. Think about that for a second. God is not interested in employing you. He's interested in partnering with you to see the kingdom of God expanded here on earth. He wants to see his church move and grow and reach the uttermost parts of this world. And he said, would you do it together with me as my partner? That's strong language. Think about this for a second. How many of you know there's a big difference between an employee and a partner? There's a big difference. I mean, if you're just an employee, you actually prefer slow days in the office, don't you? Come on, admit it. You're like, when it's busy, you're like, ugh, it's a busy day. And you don't care. You're going to get paid if there's a lot of people or a little bit of people. Do you want to know what puts a smile on a partner's face? A busy day. Because that means there's profit. That means we're making money in the business. Partners don't live for slow days. Employees do. Why? Because the employee just cares about his paycheck and going home. But a partner... He wants to see work being done. A partner wants to see a busy cafe. A partner wants to be busy building. A partner wants to see everybody working nonstop from the minute they arrive to the time that they clock out. Why? Because a partner shares in on the benefits of owning the business, whereas the employee simply comes to collect the check. Now, the language that Paul uses, he says, you are co-laborers with God. He's saying, I've given you the ability to receive all of the benefits that I have to give. And Paul uses this language here in the book of Corinthians, and he says, You are co laboring together with god you've got to get this and i believe that when you can frame what you do out in the workplace with this language right here you'll realize that everything you do together for god can be a form of worship and not just a form of worship but it can be used for the glory of god to further the mission of the church and to establish his kingdom here on earth how many of you believe that in this tent this morning this is the language that Paul uses. And I think that it's beautiful to see that in God's great redemption story, he, he purposefully involves us. He, and I love that because he doesn't have to do it. I mean, we like the stories where God like knocks Saul off of his horse while he's riding to Damascus in acts nine and changes his name to Paul. But even then, even in that story, God calls to Ananias and says, Ananias, I'm going to involve you in my story of changing the life of Saul because I'm going to change his name to Paul. And do you see how God involves Ananias? Time and time throughout the Bible, God will involve us in what he's trying to do here on earth. And God will, he will use us to establish his plans for this earth. The, the, The big question is, are you available? The big question is, do you want to be used by God? The big question is, do you want to co-labor with God? Because the reality is he's going to get his work on earth done with or without you. I've been around long enough and I've been in church all 41 years of my life where I have seen that when I did not say yes to God, someone else said yes and he used them. I've seen that happen where I had this God idea, but I didn't do it. And God's like, okay, yeah, I got someone else over here. They said yes, and I'm going to use that person to establish my plans here on earth. have you it ever happened to you where you were just like, man, this is an incredible idea. And then all of a sudden someone else is doing it like, ah, hey, that was my idea. It's like God's like, I'm not going to be bound by you. I choose to use you. I want to involve you, but my will for earth will be done with or without you. But I am intentionally inviting you into it. And I just think it's so beautiful that God would invite us into his redemptive story. God is redeeming this world, he is reconciling it back to himself, and he's saying, Will you partner with me? I love that he says, Do you want to change the world together with me? I absolutely love that. How many of you know that he is changing this world? How many of you know that God is doing his work? How many of you know that God is still moving in spite of everything that's going on in our world? He's not bound by politics. He's not bound by a virus. He's not bound by political climates. He's not bound by civilizations coming and going. God's will is being done. And what I love, whenever you've studied history, how many when you studied history, see civilizations come and go? And, and, and what is still here? The church, what God established, and he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It, The church has outlived civilizations. It has outlived cultures. Kingdoms have come and kingdoms have gone, but his word has never changed. And he says to us today, Lighthouse Church, he's saying to us this morning, do you want to partner with me in that? Do you want to be involved in my redemption story? Do you want to be involved in what I am doing here on this earth? And I don't know about you, but I want to give myself to the things that matter. I want to give myself to the things that are eternal. I want to give myself to the things that have eternal consequence, eternal return on investment, eternal significance. That's the thing. That I want to do with my time. And so you got to stop seeing this great divide between secular and sacred because Psalm 24 one says this The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to Him. How many know it all belongs to Him? Come on, somebody clap your hands if you know it all belongs. It all belongs to Him, it's His. Whether I involve myself or not, it's his. Whether I get on board or not, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Now, but, but I've made a decision that I'm not just going to sit on the sidelines and watch God do an incredible thing. But I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to involve myself. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be active. And I want to be involved in what God is doing here on this earth. I mean, There's a big difference between watching a game and playing a game. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm going to pick on Sam for just a moment because he wore a jersey to church. There's, there's a big difference between putting on a Charger jersey and watching from home and having, you know, Mexican sweetbread after the Chargers win today. And actually putting on a jersey and going on the field. There's a big difference between the two. I'm not knocking that, Sam. You just happen to wear a Chargers jersey, and I love you so much. But, but there, there's a big difference between watching and getting involved. And I'm here to provoke some of you that are simply watching what God is doing and getting you involved in what God is doing. I don't want you just walk. I just love Lighthouse. They have an amazing dream team. They serve the best coffee. It's a little hot under that tent, but you know the building's coming. I just love going to church. They serve me so well. I want to get you involved in what God is doing. Yeah. I want to see you living your life to make an eternal difference in someone else's life. We talked about this last week. Don't stop at the water. When you get saved, you've done that for yourself. But the abundant life and everything you do after your personal salvation is what you are doing for others. And and, and listen, heaven is not the goal. Becoming more like Jesus is the goal. And the byproduct of that is heaven. And I'm here to provoke you to just go beyond just, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. Don't bother me, Pastor Josh. I want to see you get involved with what God is doing here on this earth. And this is why we talk about all that remains. Because only what you do for Christ will last only what you do for christ will remain only what you've given for the kingdom of god when he judges us at the judgment seat of christ we talked about this last week only what you've done for christ that's what's going to remain and i believe 100 percent, wholeheartedly that god will judge what you did with your secular with your job so to speak and if you did that for christ guess what it's going to last it's going to last don't, don't, don't treat your job, man, especially after a couple of years that we've just had, don't treat your job as just something on the other side of education, but a gift that God has given you to steward and to cultivate and make a difference in the lives of people. Everyone that God is putting you in contact with, use that as a gift from God to go and partner with him and increase in his kingdom here on this earth. Look at it through that lens, and I believe you'll see that you are now working in the sacred outside of the Sunday. It's not just what we do on Sunday. I know I've got to have to burst some bubbles because I grew up in the, in the, the church culture where we put a high, 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 high value on Sunday and a very little low value on Monday through Friday. It was all about the experience. And the better and the deeper the experience here, the more favor we had with God. I mean, I, I come from the type of background where we would have deep moments in his presence but somehow be nasty to the waiter when we went out afterwards. Like, what's that all about? Like like, how much did God really change you in his presence when the evidence of God's, the, where the evidence of your spiritual growth is in your relationships, particularly outside of here? That's the mark of your true spiritual growth. Now, let me wind this down, and I'm coming to a close. Paul tells the church this. In Corinth, he 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 tells them, We are co-laborers with God. And I love that language. And I think this is the heavy stuff that he was trying to hit them with. This was the this was the meat that he was trying to feed them. He was letting them know, listen, let me tell you the mystery of God. Listen, let me tell you the good news of the gospel. He didn't save you to make you an employee, but he saved you to make you a partner. He he didn't save you to be subservient to his plans on earth. He saved you to be a part of his plans for this earth. He's using that language. But then he gets to this place here in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. I'm going to read it one more time. For we are God's fellow workers, and this is my emphasis right here, and you are God's field. You are God's building. It's my last point that I'm going to make. As we are laboring with God, he is laboring in us. As you are laboring with God, he is laboring in us. I I wish I could explain it all to you. I I can't. I don't think words can articulate it in any way. But I have found that as I have built the church, God has built my family. I, I, I can't explain how he does it. That when I prioritize serving God... He starts to answer the prayers that I needed in my marriage in ways that my efforts never could. You see, Paul uses this language. He says, as we are partners with God, you are God's field. Think about that for a second. When when you start minding the business of the Father, the Father starts minding your business. I, I, I don't... This matters so much to me and it should matter so much to you because for those of us who are giving our lives to building this church and we're what's still called a church plant, we're two and a half years old, we're not even three yet, we are a toddler church. I. I I can't tell you how much I value the families that have just put so much on the line to bring to life this church. There, There are some of you who have been about this church. You have been about the Dream Team before you even knew what the Dream Team was. You thought the Dream Team was an homage to Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Larry Bird and the first Olympic basketball team of professional players. It's not that. But the dream team is the team of people that will carry this dream into the city of Vista that all of North County would look like heaven. That's the dream. And I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you in this place, those of you families that joined us in a coffee shop <laughs> on a Sunday evening in the city of San Marcos, come on we already outlived the coffee shop (laughs) that ain't even a coffee shop has gone and we're still here i tell you the i tell you the word of god keeps going you know kingdoms come and go coffee shops come and go but the church is still here how about that but listen i can't tell you how much it means to have these families that have been with us building since day one and i know it's about to get real busy but but can i tell you that god does something so special and so significant when you take care of his kingdom He does something in your family. He does something in your children. He does something in your marriage. Now, I believe you've got to have place and space and time and boundaries. Absolutely. You have got to have a healthy marriage, healthy home, healthy children. Absolutely. But I do know this, that God gives you the desires of your heart. And whatever you desire for your family, he will give it to you. And whatever you desire for your marriage, he will give it to you. And whatever you desire for your home, he will give it to you. You don't even have to articulate it to him. He knows the desires of your heart. Now you can either build, your, you can either spend your time building your kingdom or you can build God's kingdom. But let me tell you this, when you're busy building your kingdom and not building God's kingdom, you're not positioning yourself to be his field for him to work on. As Paul says, when you co-labor with God, you become God's field, and he begins a work in you. When you co labor with God, you become his building. And I just love that he does that. You build my house, I'll build your house. You build my church, and I'll build your family. You build my kingdom, and I'm going to take care of your children. That's God's promise to you. That's the great reward that we have in him. So Lighthouse, as we close this series and... Listen, I I would I would love to see all of you here this Friday as we talk about our plans for 2022. We got big plans. Tell your neighbor big plans. What's heart and soul? Well, here's what we do. You come in. It's nice. We feed you. We worship. We share the vision of Lighthouse. We always give something away. Like every year, we're just giving you stuff. Shirts, coffee mugs. I got a nice gift. You can't wait to see it. I love to spoil on you. But listen to me. Be here. I would love for you to be here this Friday and hear the plans that we have for this church. They're not my plans. I believe they're God's plans for this church. And not just hear the plans, but it gives you the opportunity to get on board with what God is doing. Because God is doing a powerful work here in this city. And he's looking for people to come and labor alongside him. So would you stand up to your feet and let me pray with you right now. We're going to worship some more. We're going to have an opportunity to respond. But let's just pause and worship for just a moment. Come on, let's lift our hands towards heaven if you feel led to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for all that you are doing here in this city. The work that you began in March of 2019, you began a work in the city of San Marcos and it has continued here in the city of Vista. It's perpetually growing and increasing. You are adding to your church daily. You are growing your church. God, I just pray that in this series, we've talked about generosity, we've talked about tithing, we've talked about giving of our time, but but I also pray, God, that today we would be challenged to not put up walls between the sacred and the secular to really put you center of our lives, not just center on Sundays, not, not just center in of, of our homes, and not just the center of our marriages, but would you be the center of our careers? All that you've gifted us to do, and the talent that you've put in our hands, what you've equipped us to do here on this earth, would you be center of that, Lord God? Would you give us a fresh perspective of our careers? Would you give us a fresh perspective on our callings? Would you give us a fresh perspective of the work that you desire to do here on this earth through us Lord God realizing that you've not called us to be your servants but you've called us to be your co-laborers You've called us to partner with you in what you are doing here on this earth. Would we rise to that occasion and realize there's so much more that you have for us. There's so much more that you want to do through us. There's so much more, Lord God, that you are going to do through our obedience. Lord God, through our service. And Lord God, through us leaning in to what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Come on, let's worship together.